Rosa Black Uncensored is absolutely not a YouTube-friendly show, although there is nothing actually wrong with it. Tom and Jared get into things most of the church would be afraid to cover. What you are watching now is a heavily edited version of the full episode in order to comply with YouTube's guidelines and standards. There are extremely important topics covered in the full version, things every Christian needs to know, that YouTube will not allow to be discussed. For the full version of this episode, become a member of Daily Renegade today by clicking on the link in the description below. Don't allow YouTube to tell you what you're allowed to watch, talk about, or think. We're hot. Okay. Let me know before you start recording. I gotta tell you something. Okay. Good. Tell me. You always do that, man. I wasn't ready. That's what makes it so fun. <clears throat> That's only the 500th time I've pulled that trick. I know. I think I would. Uh, think I would be uh, used to it by now. Folks, I'm sorry about the uh, sound of my voice tonight. I've uh, had some uh, uh, coughing fits that are uncontrollable do you got some mucus draining down the back of my throat and it activates my coughing and um well, that's I, knew why you, I knew you'd been I doing the way some, that I, I knew you'd been doing some coal mining lately so we i was worried it was the black lung but it's just mucus drainage then <coughs> sorry about that folks sorry my about in- that my internet's like the worst it's been in a while right now like i'm highly Dude. agitated I'm highly agitated at the moment. This this should make for for a, a good show. Grumpy Jared and Coffee Tom. So mad right now. Look at this. Look at this. Pretend this is Jared's internet. Ugh. Ugh. I hate it, dude. Take that. I hate Take living that. in the country sometimes. Sometimes I love living in the country. Sometimes I hate living in the country. Tonight's one of those nights I hate living in the country. Dude. That's a good point. Living in the country, I guess, you know, there are pros and cons. That would be a con is not having any kind of fast internet. Yeah, it's not, it's not the, at least where I'm at, unless they've perfected it in the country elsewhere. It's still difficult to find like a high speed, like as far as internet's concerned, it's better than anything I had as a kid. I mean, it beats any dial up, you know, early old school AOL 2.0 any of that like we're good as far as I shouldn't be complaining this is like first world problems it's not fast enough but I don't know it's funny that you even said better than anything I had as a kid because when I was a kid there was no internet you didn't have anything yeah and even if there was dude there's no way I would have had it we couldn't even afford a VCR do you know the internet first popped up on my radar in the third grade? The AOL 1.0. I knew a girl that got the internet, right? And she was explaining it to me. And I was like, well, what is it? She's like, well, it's AOL. And she was explaining AOL Messenger. And I was like, what is it? She's like, well, you get on your computer and you can talk to people. And I was like, like who? She's like, well, like my aunt. I was talking to my aunt last night. And I was like, I don't understand. She's like, we were just typing back and forth. And I was like emails weren't even really a thing i didn't know what an email was and i was like oh you can just talk to people on your computer and she's like yeah and i was like oh that's cool and it wasn't long before Dude, i had the internet do you remember the epidemic of broken marriages over aol chat i mean you know that's how i discovered I lesbians 
I discovered lesbians were, were a thing because AOL had the chat room. They had all those. Uh, they all. Had, oh. They had all the different chat rooms you could get in. They had uh, like a million different categories, and I remember being like, "What's what's a lesbian chat room?" You know, and like got into a lesbian chat room full of lesbians talking. And that was my introduction. <coughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about all the different categories. That was the wild west of the internet. Yeah. You know, you said you knew a girl that had uh, that had AOL. I remember when I met somebody that had a VCR, I thought they were like the coolest people in the world. I was like, wow, I wish they would adopt me. They have a VCR, dude. You can go to, you can rent movies or you can get movies and, um, and watch them on TV. Because if you, when I was a kid, we talked about this before. If you missed a movie at the movie theater, that was it, dude. Until it came on TV about two years later, if it did, then you weren't going to see it. Why didn't they replay stuff more often? Well, I, they only, there's only so much time in a day That's true. to be able to have the time to be able to play limited, it, I guess. Limited number of channels. Yeah. Yeah, that too. It wasn't like what it is now. No. Uh, uh, unlimited number of channels, it seems like. So. Huh. Yeah, dude. Not the days, the days that we live in are not the days we grew up in, are they? No, they're not. No, yeah, dude. And I think about this all the time, dude. Like, what's it going to be in five years? In five years, no matter when, I'm thinking five years from now, it's going to be crazy, dude. Um, and I mean, just think of 20 years from now, technology, dude, I'm so annoyed with technology right now because it's moving so much faster than you can keep up with it. Well, I just find it like, I find myself like checking my phone way too much, you know, and I find myself trying to find some kind of stimulation, whether it's a news story or anything, dude. And then at the same time, I find myself getting disgusted by it. I'm like, dude, I'm so tired of hearing about the, about the war and the bombs and the, all the stuff, dude. It, you just have it right there at your fingertips. <coughs> when I was a kid, you had to wait for the news to come on unless it was some kind of breaking news and they would preempt. Uh, I remember they preempted uh, TV for the Iran-Contra affairs. I remember that. You think we're headed to World War Three? Oh, was I? No, do you? Do you think we're going to hit, we're headed into World War Three? <coughs> no, I don't. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Now, because out of the both of us, you are considered the political expert. You are the political liaison to Through the Black. That's sad, dude. That's real sad. <laughs> what, um, would you please give us your analysis into the events that have been taking place recently in regards to a potential Dude, world war. I don't know anything about the headline except for the headlines. Um, the president uh, had uh, approved of a drone strike of a general who apparently, after the fact, um, they, they found out that he was, he was a real bad guy. Uh, forget the fact that he had been working with America. So, and... I don't know. I'm sure he was a bad guy. We work with a lot of bad guys. I don't know. 
It's like, but I don't think we're headed to World War Three. No, I don't think so either. But um, I think it's. And, and I think if anybody like Iran tries anything, they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be very sorry for it. So. But do you see how like this is how your view of the end of the world matters. Like everybody around me has gone so nuts about this because of Israel and <coughs> our perceived role in backing Israel. And then all of the stuff that, you know, futurists use to, to try to provide this narrative of what the end times is supposed to look like, according to their understanding of scripture, which I have gotten rid of largely. I don't see it the same way that I used to. I used to be in that camp. And now mm-hmm. I'm sitting back and I'm like, um, I think we got a lot more time. You know, I don't think I'm not willing to double down that we're living in the end times. And I don't see what you're talking about saying is coming actually happening in scripture. So, dude. Okay. So that's a very good point. I'm just over here chilling with my books. Thinking yeah, about I know. Years down the road. <clears throat> I know some people, dude. I mean, I say, what about um, living through the uh, Obama administration, dude? I was on the edge of my seat that whole time. The whole time. Thinking, I was like, this is it, dude. We're not going to make it another month. Well, they act like every administration, the world acts like the president is the warmonger of the century. And then we get another one. Antichrist. Yeah. And then we get another one. And it's like, dude. Senior Bush, dropping bombs, son. Clinton, dropping bombs, son. Bush Jr., dropping bombs, son. Who was next? Obama? No, Trump. No, no, no. Oh, Who was no, next yeah. after Bush Jr.? Yeah, it was Obama, Obama right? Yeah, yeah. Dropping bombs. Who, who dropped more bombs than Obama? Who, who authorized more drone strikes than Obama? Like... Now Trump is doing the same thing every president does, and it's the, still the same thing. It's like, I'm tired of it. Everybody's always baited to live on the edge of your seat and usher in the end of the world, and it never comes. For 2,000 years, we've been trying to usher in the end of the world, you know, with bated breath, and it still eludes us. I'm tired Good. of living that life. I lived that life. I'm tired of living it. It's not I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Me too. You know, I think it's somebody like, um, you know who Jack Van Empey is? Mm-hmm. I know of him. Yeah, dude. And <laughs> uh, what's his name? What's his wife's name? Uh, Drusella or something like that. And I love watching his shows, dude. Um, he, he, I don't know if he does anymore, but he used to have a show on TV. And it was all about every current event, how it fits into prophecies. And dude was right on top of it. And dude, I mean, it was, it was exciting. And he explained all, you know, in all this great detail why, okay, if this happens and this happens, since this already happened, then this is where we're going to be. And um, I, I was in a, a thrift shop or somewhere and I found an old record of Jack Van Empey from like 30 years ago doing the same thing. He'd been doing that same thing forever, you know? And it was all about the end of the world and, <coughs> and, and prophecy and trying to, um, trying to uh, interpret prophecy or whatever. I mean, I think that 
that we're supposed to look into these things. Oh, for sure. I don't knock uh, it. I just think I really, and I could be wrong. I am not an expert in this area. I have been changing my viewpoint, but that doesn't mean I'm capable of like, I'm still exploring my viewpoint. I really don't, I don't really hold, I wouldn't, I don't have a label for myself anymore. Like really, I don't have a problem with labels if they're accurate, but like, I am not a dispensational pre-millennialist anymore. I know that. Um, Coming out of the Southern Baptist Church, that's pretty much what I was. But I'll tell you what started changing my mind about eschatology was reading the Puritans, uh, spending a lot of time reading Jonathan Edwards. I started getting introduced to ideas. I didn't even, I couldn't even tell you what Puritan eschatology was. I, I didn't, I just was reading, they were talking about stuff looking forward to things they had a completely different mindset and i started picking up on these trains of thought that were different than mine and i started as i did research i realized oh they 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 had a completely different outlook on how things wind up and they're honestly when i would read what they had to say about end time stuff it made a lot more sense than what i had to say and i was fascinated by some of their points of view and then I ended up finding guys out there like Doug Wilson and um, uh, like John Piper even held a discussion about this with guys like Doug Wilson and some dude from the Southern Baptist Seminary. And um, you had a premillennialist, a postmillennialist, and then an amillennialist. And then you had like John Piper, who I really, I don't remember what he is. They sat there and they were just having a, like a, 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 a good conversation about it. And I realized like, even really educated guys that hold a pre-mill position understand how um, kind of wishy-washy all some of this stuff is. Even if they didn't hold to that conclusion, it was it was interesting to see in those conversations how much credit they gave the other guys. Like it was it was interesting to see how worth a conversation it was. Like all of these people understood that there is this is not as cut and dry as some people try to make it. They've been studying it their whole life. And when I started exploring some of these passages myself, I was blown away and I was like, yeah, this, this is, I don't think this is what I thought it was all these years, but it's just me. Dude, Chuck Messler, somebody who I highly respect and I love his Bible studies was a, um, may he rest in peace. Yeah was uh was a pre-tribber right yeah and I, I don't know why i brought him up but i guess i just um you know i, I think about that and I'm, I'm open to being wrong about what i believe and, and I, I would be fine with that if if just okay it happens tonight before the show's over you know um the father hen calls his chickens home as um Johnny Cash would say. You know, it is interesting you say that because usually when you say pre-mill, ah-mill, post-mill, most people today in the evangelical church automatically assume that that is speaking about when God comes in relationship to the rapture. And what surprised me in looking at it were these schools of thought that what's being taught about the rapture is not what the scripture teaches about the rapture. And that this event that people talk about in regards to the rapture is not necessarily what has been commercialized. And I found that to be interesting. 
I don't want to get into that. I'm not, I am not the guy to talk to about this. I have been exploring it for the last year. But then I started realizing, like, if someone used to say post-millennial or amillennial, I'm like, oh, so you believe that we go through God's wrath and then we get raptured or there's a thousand year reign and then Jesus comes back or like, I'm like, that doesn't make, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And I started realizing my perceptions of what like traditional amill and postmill were, were wrong. They were rooted in my dispensational understanding. And when I started exploring some of these other viewpoints, I realized how much more broad they were. It didn't even speak to the rapture necessarily. It was like, it was just a whole, a whole thing. Right. And I know I'm being kind of vague about it because I'm not trying to start world war three on this channel with our listeners. Like I'm not pushing a particular point of view. I'm exploring. <laughs> uh, but it's so funny. Like you notice this, like what is it about the rapture conversation that gets everybody in a fist fight? You know, it's like everybody has this like, like even now, I guarantee you there's some people that are livid, livid that I'm even bring, broaching the subject that of post mill, on mill, you know, uh, why can't we just have civil conversations? <clears throat> I don't know. I think that's a good, um, that's a good question because I guess I don't know. For me, it's real weird because I don't get bent out of shape about those things. If somebody comes out and they are opposite of what I am, I, I don't. I'm not like, okay, here we go. It's on right now, man. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna debate. I'm not gonna quit until I prove these guys wrong. I don't know. That's just not me, dude. I just think that there's more important things. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened to me. And I can only speak for me here. Was it but recently? At the height of my conspiracy research studies, at the height, and at the height of my dispensational pre-trib, uh, pre-millennial mindset, I was stewarding my resources by hoarding them and thinking only short-term about collapse and end of the world. How do I survive what's coming within five years? How do I hunker down and build a thing for me to hide in that I can survive. Um, dude, I was buying freeze-dried food. I was buying ammo. Um, dude, I was spending so much money. All of it's gone. I mean, all of it's bad now. I mean, I've got guns and ammo and, and crap like that, that 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 doesn't spoil. But I can't even tell you how much money I spent. It just evaporated now that 10 years have passed, right? Um, things that are outdated or or whatever. Anyway, I'm just saying I bought so much canned food and and and, uh, dude, I don't even want to get into all of it because some of it just ties into too much of my personal history than I care to share on the internet. But my point is, what would have happened if I had given that money to the church in church building efforts? It would have actually gone to. Uh, a much better use we've got missionary uh, church planners all over the place that my church is affiliated with i could have given my money there it would have actually done something instead it literally just rotted and now as i've kind of changed my because my, my personal convictions are that i think i was wrong i'm opening the idea that i'm not wrong but my eschatology changing has caused me to look at the future of the church 
wanting to build the church into something better for the next generation. I see a promise where Jesus promises to put every enemy under his feet, the, you know, s- slowly over time, the last enemy being death, this never ending church expansion until God's kingdom is completely coronated, right? The, where we usher in his eternal rule and reign. And my point is that has caused me once I see that the victory of the church is promised and the victory of Christ is already promised, I want to throw my resources at building and expanding the church, not in some weird dominionist way, not in a weird way where we're like taking back the earth militarily, like the latter day, like the latter rain movement or whatever, but in like a missionary evangelistic way of putting my resources into putting churches in places where the gospel reaches even more people. And the more people that get saved as God uses these churches to save others in those, you know, that are affiliated with them or uh, that are being ministered to by them, the larger the church becomes and the further it continues to spread. And I'm like, I'd rather invest in the kingdom than my own personal corner of the world. And, you know, it's like, if I'm wrong and all hell breaks loose, I mean, ultimately my fate is in the hands of God anyway. You know, it doesn't mean you can't be prudent and I'm not against people prepping at all. I, I, I have small reserves in case of some sort of localized catastrophe, right? Or, or if a earthquake, earthquake's not going to hit here, but if a tornado hit or something like I'm going to be taken care of without having to worry about emergency personnel. I think a certain degree of preparedness is important as an insurance policy when you've got people to take care of, but well, didn't you used planning to be on involved surviving in for like preparedness? Go ahead. Didn't you used to be involved in a local preparedness? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I group. did. Yeah. And I was always thinking like, how do I survive three years of all hell breaking loose? How do I survive five years of all hell breaking loose? That was my mindset. You need a lot of stuff for that. And now I'm like, how, how can I be a reasonable person in just basically planning for a minor catastrophe while stewarding my resources to build the kingdom? That's my mindset is switched. You know, I, I don't, I understand the mindset of people that are in the prepper stuff, like heavily in the prepper stuff. And I don't knock it because I understand that mindset. I was there too. Um, but this is what changed my mindset about it. My eschatology changed in studying scripture. Now, doesn't mean I'm right, but how you view things ending dramatically changes what you do now. And I knew people in the prepper world that were in the early, in the mid 2000s, right to early, like 2010, that were preppers in the 80s. And dude, I cannot tell you how much money they wasted since the 80s cycling stuff out. You know, always expecting the end to come the next year, always sitting on the edge of their seat, waiting for it to come. And as I look back on uh, talking to these people and their, their testimonies, just talking to them about their lives. They're like, oh, I remember back in the 80s and 1982, we were thinking this and we were looking at the economy like this. And, you know, it's going to happen. And even in 2010, they still had that mindset like it's fixing to happen. It's fixing to happen. They lived like that for 30, more than 30 years. And I'm sitting back in my early 20s like, well, yeah, dude, I get it. If it didn't happen then, but it's going to happen now. And I remember like every year I'm like, this is it. This is it. And like seven years later, I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm making the same mistake they did. Dude. I don't understand something. <clears throat> I'm My system is broken. 
their system was broken, my system is broken, something's not right about the way we're drawing our conclusions here. Can we switch over to the to the um, paid part now? To the to the paywall? Because I got, I got something to say about this, but I don't want to put it out there for the masses. I understand. Okay. Uh, I think that's a good idea. I was trying to see if there's a timestamp on here. So when I go back, I could tell like Cody what time it switched over, but we'll figure it out. Do you remember what time we started? I wish there was no, a timer on this thing, but it doesn't. Um, I don't see a timer. Nothing I don't know where time we're going. All right. Well, guys, you heard it. Tom's got something to say and it's going to have to wait uh, as we go into the subscription thing only. This is through the black uncensored. Uh, we talk about stuff on this show that we don't want to talk about on a regular YouTube channel. So that's why it's important over at the daily renegade to be a subscriber. So you can watch the good stuff, the good stuff, the secret stuff. I don't know how good it is, but it'll be secret. I understand a little bit. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is the free portion. Uh, We'll see you over on our channel or uh, in just uh, like 20 seconds on the subscription deal. Are we the worst salesman ever? All right, yeah, guys. Peace. We are. I'm horrible. So. Okay. <coughs> gosh, sorry, guys, about the um, about the coughing. Uh, we did forget to mention though, throughtheblack.com, realdarknews.com, all that stuff there. We got movies. We got T-shirts, and I don't know what else. And okay. we got these super cool great patches. The whole world knows um, now. Tell me, give me more than me. anybody. We our patches are are cooler than anybody else's. I will say that, dude. And there's a resist patch. <laughs>